This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field. Going back, Hernandez at the track right to the wall. Gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone. Oh, Tani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Glenn Kuyper has spent the majority of his career on television. But today, it's the biggest moment of his career as he joins A's Cast Live for the first time on video. Don't be nervous. I, I know am. you don't have your makeup on yet. You haven't really I done the nervous. hair. but I, this you, is, just, you just dropped this on me like 10 seconds ago. This is a I big gotta, moment for you. I got to suck my gut in a little bit. I mean... This isn't Comcast, my friend. I know. This isn't NBC Sports Bay Area or Fox Sports. I feel it. AceCast is a different level. I feel it. Were you Sports Channel, too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You've been on, like, everything. Sports Channel, Fox Sports Net, Comcast, NBC, NBC Sports Bay Area, NBC Sports California. Yeah. Yeah, you've done them all. (laughs) You have done them. You've been – how long have you been been on TV in the Bay Area? Uh, 1992 was the first year I did anything. I did some pregame show stuff for the Giants. That was the actual first year that I got a paycheck. For- like you were ever you'd be you'd be at Cal, you'd be at Sharks, you were everywhere. Yeah, I'd be at Sharks working. Tommy would be at Sharks. I'm not gonna say what he was doing. It was but a- he stacked his cups. It was a it, it was a golden <laughs> liquid. It was like, a, Tony, it's they dropped the puck at one o'clock. Why do you have four <laughs> stacked beers already? <laughs> those are the good old yeah, days. Yeah, they sure are. Those. That was fun. That no was responsibility, fun. no wife, no oh, kids. Man. Sharks games were fun though. That was that was fun to going down there working. Good scene always. That yeah. was the the height of when they dropped the shark onto the ice. People really went nuts. It, it was, was still kind of uh, new. Yeah, it was it was the Owen Nolan era. Yeah. You know, Jeff Freeze. Yeah, so that was pretty fun. That yeah. Was fun. Well, um, this hasn't been real easy this season. What's it been like uh, on the television side? Hey, like, no, it's not. It's not great. Yeah. But Dallas and I talked about it, you know, as the year has gone on. And listen, it, it you know, the record is what it is, right? But we just kind of said, listen, let's just concentrate on that night's game, right? Yeah. Um, as opposed to. Maybe, hey, what's the pennant race and who's doing this? And just that game, right? Let's hope it's a good game, but 
let's just let's do the best we can with that night's game and not worry about tomorrow or the next day or you know pennant race you know all that other stuff and and that's helped us you know but ultimately and I really do mean this you're still doing a big league game yeah. right you're still announcing a big league game and and the thing that really does it, it it kind of annoys Dallas and I and it's nobody's fault but you have people come in to the booth whether we're here or, or on the road to say boy it must be tough it's like, well, what's, I get it's, that. I get those calls well, yeah, every yeah, night. Exactly. Yeah. So, no, it's not that tough, right? It, it's our job. It's a great job. We know we're lucky to have the job. So it's not that tough. Do we want them to win every night? Absolutely. Is it? Is it a little more fun if they win more? Absolutely. But it's not that tough announcing a Major League Baseball game. It's still pretty cool, right? And it's pretty cool for you to talk about big league baseball before and after the game so i get the question when we get asked that but no it's it's not it's really not that bad it's pretty good actually so when you guys are on the road i'm obviously have the home studio so yeah, you look good in the studio by the way so yeah. i get i go in yesterday i get on my couch i got my book first inning goes and i, I remember i had to do something my daughter and i come back and i go that's not frankie montas yeah and and i'm like I'm rewinding you guys going, what the hell? And I'm rewinding, and yeah. you guys are like, yeah, we, we didn't don't know. We not know either, no. I know the uh, the velocity was down. Uh, we did see that, but that happens sometimes sure. when the game starts. So, um, you know, and then you're like, oh, man. Then you get scared, right? Because, listen, the trade rumors are going to be around him for the next month, and is there a pretty good chance he may get dealt? Yeah, I think there probably is. But then this happens, and, yeah, you immediately go, oh, man, Hope they didn't turn down a good deal for it. You know what I mean? You yeah. start thinking a lot of different things. But he, it, it sounded like they thought he was going to be okay. They didn't think it was anything real serious. That, that's that's the only thing I've really heard um, last night and, and today. So but we'll keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, it, it, it since he is this valuable commodity, right, and you, you know you're going to ship him, mm-hmm. like you want to make sure that when you are going to put him out there, for, for on the trading block. You want everybody yeah. to know that he's good, he's fine, he's yeah. ready to go for you for this second half. Because he, I mean, if I'm looking at all the teams and if I need a starter, Billy he's, Bean and David Force are the first guys yeah. I'm calling. Yeah, he's he's been really, really good. And you're right, and, and now you need to make sure he's healthy. And I think teams are going to now say, hey, okay, I need to see at least one start from him before the trade deadline to prove that he's healthy. Um, so that's sort of what this little injury, even though it may not be really serious, I think it does it does set you back a start or two um, from showcasing him to these other teams because he was every start he had this year was pretty darn good. Well, now they're going to want to see one or two more just to prove that he's healthy. And if I, if he shows that he's healthy, yeah, I, I mean, I think there's probably going to be a deal there at some point that's probably too good to pass up. Well, and I've thought about this yesterday, trying to trying to be positive. I was like, you know what? Even if you didn't deal him now, sure, he's still going to be the biggest piece out yeah. there in the off season. Now you got a yeah. full off season. Now you you like to get these desperate GMs yeah. at the deadline to start bidding against each other, but they'll still be there in the yeah. off season yeah. looking for somebody. Yeah. Or it just takes one desperate GM at the trade deadline if yeah. somebody goes down, and um, so that's why. 
I, I think there'll probably be a deal there to be had, one that the A's will like. But you're right. If if there isn't, you take a look in the offseason or you keep him, right? He's not a free agent, so he could lead your staff next year. So uh, the A's are in a good spot with Frankie Montas. I think they're whatever they do, they're probably going to come out ahead. You know, one thing that I talk a lot about, whether it's on this show or it's pregame show, postgame show, is what gets me excited. And I talked to Nick Allen earlier today, and I said, keep doing what you're doing. Bunt. Yeah. Run. Oh, it's great. Do different things. Yeah. Like, this is what can excite us. I mean, because we played 81 games, right? This is what can excite yeah. us in the second half is let me – and Jonah Bride's working out right over here trying to get back healthy. Let, let's see some younger guys and see what they can do. Wouldn't you say that's – what gives you a little juice coming no to the question. ballpark? The Nick Allen thing has been a lot of fun. Um, you know, there, there's listen. He's a smaller guy. You sort of pull for him, but there's a scrappiness to him, and he's a pretty good little player. And I think he has a chance. I think to be an everyday player in the big leagues. Now, is he going to hit 15, 16 home runs? Probably not. But like you said, he does. A, he does some different things offensively that I think can help you. Um, and defensively, you know, there's no issues there. He looks pretty good around the bag on both sides of the bag at short and second. So, yeah, we're kind of excited about him. I think it's it's great, and, I, and I'm glad that they've got him up here. And more importantly, playing him every day. See what he's got. You know, we're, we're looking to the future, right? And, you know, what? Elvis probably not going to be around next year. You know, there you go. So he's been fun to watch. I hope he keeps it up. But you're right. Do all those little things you're doing. Throw down a bunt. Once a game, right? Swipe, yes. Swipe a bag. I mean, that's Keep what, him honest. And, and I think that, too, is that that's the kind of player that we're sort of looking forward to seeing, right? Our own guy. We drafted him. Get him up here. And then he's got a little scrappiness to him. I like that. So, I think it's great. I hope he has a 10-year career here. Well, if anybody knows about playing up the middle, middle infield, it, it, it's you going back to your days. As even Jack McKeon said – biggest mistake the Padres ever made yeah. was keeping Roberto yeah. Alomar over you. Absolutely. Well, I told him that. Yeah. I said, Jack, that's a big mistake. You had the legacy. I mean, you had the name. He's like, you had who a- are you? <laughs> Did we? What, 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 who are you? Carlos Baerga, <laughs> Joey Cora, Kuiper. Yes. yes. But yeah. you can tell as someone who, I mean, played professionally, you can tell when someone's got the leather out there. Oh, right? they gosh, got the look. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, it, Nick Allen, it doesn't take long. It takes two ground balls, and you can tell he's he's got it. But he's got good feet. He's got the good quick hands. He's got a good strong arm at second base, which is important, right? Um, so, yeah, he, he's got all the tools to be a big leaguer. There's no doubt about it. And, by the way, Elvis, I know we all want to throw dirt on him on the postgame show, but Elvis, and especially against the yeah. Mariners, he hits home runs against the Mariners. I mean, Elvis can Elvis still play. Fine. Yep, there's no question about it. Elvis is fine. Listen, he's – He's been around a long time. There's nothing he hasn't seen, and that can help the young players. He can be very helpful, not just the not just to the to the to the younger Latin players, but to the American players as well. He's a guy you can go to, man, and say, "Hey, what about this?" I mean, he's played 13, 14 years, and he is still a good player. I, I like Elvis a lot. Um, you know, I, I wish fans wouldn't dump on him because there's 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 a lot more to Elvis than. You know, just his batting average, and he can really help these young kids. Jonah Bride, Nick Allen, man, you're playing right next to Elvis Andrus. Think how much he knows, and I'd sit right next to him and ask him a ton of questions every day. 
So you were just at Yankee Stadium. We're now seeing the Blue Jays. Just talk about the energy <clears throat> that's around this AL East yeah. that we don't, we haven't traveled with the team in years. So we out in the West, there you know it's the Astros yeah. and everybody else yeah. is pretty much done. I mean, just what is the intensity? What is the the AL East like? Right it's now? awesome. I mean, we were in New York, and and it's always a great scene there, anyways. Uh, but you know they they're feeling it right. They have this ridiculous record. Um, but you look at these standings, and there's a really good chance you're going to have four teams from the AL. Yes. Right? Uh, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, listen, they're the best teams, right? They're the they're the outside of the Yankees. They're the three best wild card teams. I, I would have no problem with, with those four teams all making it. And, and I think there's a pretty good chance that they will. So and and they're going to start playing each other a little bit more now, too. You know, so, th- so that's going to be fun to watch. So it'll be interesting to see how these, these – not the Yankees, but these three other teams, the Red Sox and the Blue Jays and the Rays, to see how they handle the final two and a half months. Because, I, listen, they're going to be fighting for, you know, you want that number one wild card. You get a home series, right? Yeah. That's a big deal. So, I mean, you think about, think about the Blue Jays. The difference is playing that three-game series at Fenway or playing it at home. That's a big deal, right? So there's a lot to play for, and uh, – Hey, it, the AL East is fun. It's it's the big boy, big boy division, right? So, um, you know, we've been to we've been to all three of those those places, uh, all four of them. We've been to Tampa as well. So, they're all really good teams, but in different ways, you know. So, I think it's great. What I love about it is like everybody, whether it's MLB Network or ESPN, everybody's wanted to crown the Yankees the champions already. It's like, no, you don't understand. These a these other AL East teams, yeah. they don't care. And once you get in the playoffs, everybody's zero and zero. Yeah. They play at Yankee Stadium all the time. They don't have oh, it's Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. That's what like if it's a bunch of AL East sure. teams and it's it's like a bunch of hungry dogs in an alley yeah. fighting for one for one state. Well, that's right. And, and yeah, you, that's a great point. Those teams in the AL East, like the Blue Jays. They're not going to be intimidated by the Yankees because no. we play them 18, 19 times. And you know who else isn't intimidated by the Yankees? It's the Houston Astros, right? The Astros are like, we'll go to Yankee Stadium. It doesn't matter to us. So oh, They'll go, so, they'll so, go over to, to, to take on the Mets, too. Exactly. Yeah. So so I think it, it's – I like what's going on in the American League because you do have that one team that is standing out, the Yankees. But you have these other teams that are really, really good – and there is no shoe-in that the Yankees are going to walk right to the World Series at all. I think they're going to have their hands full when, when that time comes with all those teams, whoever they may play. You know, it's going to be interesting, too. I mean, and you guys were just in there, at, at, you know, Cleveland. Yep. You know, Cleveland is now becoming sure. the king of the walk-offs and what they did to Minnesota. Minnesota is good, but you mentioned the Astros. And now that we're – getting away more and more from Jeffrey Lunau and that whole cheating scandal and that whole time with A.J. Hinch, and now there's a lot of new guys. Mm-hmm. There's just an appreciation for their development because it's not about yeah. – we've been doing it here on this show. It's not about the, the tank drafts anymore. They've, they've gotten all these guys, yeah. international signings. Yeah. They are just – when you look at how they can beat you with starters, with bullpen, with their lineup, they can beat you with power, they can beat you with contact, they can beat you with speed. I mean, a complete team. The Dodgers seem to be that yeah, way. Yeah. I mean, I just I have appreciation now. I can get away with my yeah. anger from the Astros a little bit. How about you? And just kind of no, appreciate I, how I good agree. the Astros are. I agree. I, I'm not into the whole 
hating other teams because I think it's a little bit of a waste of energy. You have to respect these teams. Um, and, and you have to give the Astros their due. You think about it, they lose Springer. They don't care. They yeah. lose Correa. See they don't care, right? They lose Greinke. They don't care. They lose Garrett Cole. They don't care. I mean, you think about those guys that they have lost the last three or four years. It hasn't slowed them down. These are star, star players, and they're like, no, we're moving on. We're going to pick and choose who we want to sign. Got a star shortstop now, a, a guy who's got a chance to win the rookie of the year. Um, you know, so you have to respect what they do. It's a well-run organization. They know who to keep, who not to keep, and they just keep bringing up young players, and they got the veteran players that are still really good. So it, it, as hard as it may be for a lot of people, especially A's fans, you have to you have to respect what the Astros have done to remain good this long, and they will continue to be good. I mean, they're, you know, they're, there's no end in sight to their success, I don't think. Yeah, you just mentioned Pena as a guy that could be Rookie of the Year. That guy you just saw in Seattle, Julio Rodriguez. I really don't like him as a player. I don't. I don't. I don't really you don't, know. You don't see it. <laughs> I don't know about his future. I stun. I asked my 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 partner Dallas Braden the other day. I said, "I'm going to stump you. You got 10 seconds. Who would you take right now, Julio Rodriguez or Bobby Witt Jr.?" And he was like, "Oh my God!" And I counted him down: <laughs> nine, eight, and he said, "Julio Rodriguez." Over Bobby Wood Jr. Now again, it's you know it's it's six one half dozen of the other. You're going to get a star either way. But there at a premium, there position. was something like we, we've seen Rodriguez now, and there's something about him that like where you can envision a superstar. You can see it. I think with Bobby Witt, you can kind of see it. Maybe this guy, he's already doing it. And he's crushing the A's, which is a killer, right? Because yeah. it's going to keep happening. He's yeah, he's the real deal. You he's, guys he's had pretty it. Fun. One of his home runs, he's rounding first, and he's looking out to center field, <laughs> and he's smiling, and he did some hand gesture, yeah. and he's rounding second. And I'm watching that. I'm like, going, that guy's a rookie. Yeah, that's what a star. He yeah, that's good. That's, yeah, good looking. And fun. He's having fun. Yeah. He's, the, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. like, that's this guy. And to think, I'm reading these notes going, well, we haven't seen that since A-Rod yeah. or Griffey are going, how do they get these guys? And, you know, he's got a big smile on his face, and he doesn't really play like a rookie. He plays like he's been around a while. Um, and he's a lot of fun, and they love him up there. I mean, they got a chant, Julio, and it starts, and it starts roaring. Um, so they, that's their next guy. That's their next Ichiro you know, the guy they're going to anoint. Um, I don't – we have one of those guys. I want a 21-year-old <laughs> or a 22-year-old. I don't want – where's our 23-year-olds? Oh, they're in Midland. Uh, behind us – we'll end on this one. No, you got to go. Behind us, Matt Chapman's yeah. taking ground balls. Uh, Chappie's back. I know you guys – for us, it's new. You guys got to see him we in saw, Toronto. Yeah, and that was right away, right at the uh, – yeah, it was like with second or third series. So, we did get to talk to him. It was great. He's such a good dude. We had a nice chat with him. He got married in the offseason. He told us about his wedding and, and how much fun it was. And, and he said, and again, that was really early in the year, but he said that he he was enjoying it already in Toronto, and I think he likes it. You know, nice city, good team. Um, so we wish Matt Chapman the best. He's, he's, such, he's an impossible guy to, to, to not like, right? It's just, I mean, he's, he's a sweetheart. And he talked with us for, gosh, 20, 25 minutes when we were there. So uh, 
Um, we wish he was still here, but how can you not pull for the guy, right? I mean, he's he's great. Do you guys have any special plans Fourth of July on television to tease here on your biggest new? I can't tell you. No, it's no, that big. No, no. Actually, we were gonna we were gonna maybe talk talk about Cody a little bit in the umbrella. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sunburnt. He's yeah. he's fine. Yeah. Uh, when you guys pull out the bed, let's one more one more before you gotta go. <laughs> when you guys pull out, because we're kind of the same era, right? When you start pulling out the baseball cards. Those are the guys of our I know, era. I know, I know, and you know what? Like I, I try to pick like guys from the '70s because I can stump my partner. You know the like Bake McBride. Yeah. You know, Dallas. Give, give me late, late '70s, yeah. early in the '80s is my wheelhouse. Yep, that's right, that's right. Um, and and there is a, it, it has to be a certain score, certain time of the game for us to pull the the baseball True. cards out. So True. if we see the baseball cards, that means the scoreboard is really not. What we want to see, but we're also looking to have a little fun, which you know, we do try to do that occasionally. So, thanks, well, thanks for the the props on the baseball cards. Just, just, it. just know this: I'm always watching. Yeah, I know you are. I'm. Always I feel your watching. presence. It makes me a little nervous. And every single time you guys promote A's cast, I get this warm, fuzzy feeling. I'm like, thank you. Thank well, now you, that we get to you. see you, that that makes A's cast even better because we see you in your in your studio. And I will see you on the 12th and 13th. I'll be in with whoever, Stu, or Okay, awesome. That. Good. But, hey, Thanks, thank you. Buddy. Thank you for everything Anytime. you do. Anytime. Anytime. You promoting us is oh, huge. Uh, no, it means a lot. We will continue. Anything you need, man, because you guys, it's a, we're all in it together. And we're I want you family. to keep letting everybody know I'm getting screwed down here in the sun. Yeah, he, I know. He's in the umbrella. Yeah, my forehead is baked already, but it looks like, <laughs> looks like, looks like Cody's good. <laughs> Cody's fine. Cody. Cody's got a fourth. Yeah, of, he's all, yeah, he's fine. He's got a Fourth of July. He's yeah. got he's got he's got ribs. Yeah. He's got potato salad back here. We're sweating, and yeah. he's fine. He's all fine. Right. See you, buddy. All right, we got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. Dan Schulman, who we're gonna have on here, as he's been a good friend of the program for many years, coming on, uh, does a great job not only on ESPN, and we mention all the time on college basketball, college football. Uh, longtime voice of Sunday Night Baseball, now doing the Toronto Blue Jays. As, yeah, the Blue Jays come in here as a very interesting story. The whole AL East is an interesting story when you think about it. And, and come on now, because we're now on video. We're now doing this Oh, where thing. am I? Okay, there we are. We're now doing it Good on thing I dress for it. We're on YouTube. We're on <laughs> really? Twitter. We're just not streaming anymore. We've nice. graduated really Well, congrats. Congrats. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's great to be here. I have not been here. I think the last time I was here – was the wild card game. What year was that when Manaya pitched against the Rays? Is that right? 1918. Right? 2019. 19. Yeah. I think it's the last time I've been here. So we're just glad to be anywhere. We didn't do traveling. We didn't travel at all for two years, right, because of the border thing. Yeah. So we're glad to be everywhere these days. Yeah, and I remember when we were talking to you on A's Cast Live about, you know, for you just to leave Canada – to go do your work that you do for ESPN, yeah. then you'd have to go back home and you had to quarantine. For 14 days. Life has been so different for yeah. you guys north of the border, and we're still talking about teams that go in with unvaccinated players can't play. Though, yeah, the unvaccinated guys are not crossing the border, uh, are not coming to Toronto. I mean, there is, and nobody knows this, there is a law about in the U.S. about that as well, that if you're not an American citizen and if you're not vaccinated, you can't come to the U.S. So... 
Vladdy and Guriel and Teoscar, they wouldn't be able to do it if they weren't vaccinated. So the the law actually goes both ways, yeah. but everybody's focusing on the players who aren't coming to Canada. So the Blue Jay for the Blue Jays, listen, it's not it's an it's a federal law. It's got nothing to do with them and and you know, for two years they were at a significant disadvantage being nomads, you know, going moving around, not having a home. So and and they can't sign or trade for unvaccinated players. They can't have anything to do with those players because they wouldn't be able to play in Canada, obviously, uh, right? So thought about that. So yeah, everybody thinks about it just on one side. So, yeah. um, but uh, we don't even talk about it that much anymore. Like we know, whenever any team comes, they, I would say, some teams have not had any unvaccinated. Other, I think the peak was four. I can't remember what the A's had. It was so long ago now. It was three or four. I yeah, think, they had three. A's. Yeah, three. Yeah. So the peak was four. Um, it's one of those, it is what it is, you know, so it, there's still a pandemic going on. And, and I mean, our, our borders are, if you're vaccinated, the border's totally open. You can go back and forth, do whatever you want. Um, but if you're unvaccinated, there are still some issues going both ways. So, I mean, you bring up a major point, which obviously, as you said, we're over here in America, not yeah. thinking about it, but you're trying to win a world series you could have a guy that you've pinpointed and you say, I want that guy, or there could be guys trading inside the organization. If they're not vaccinated, they're no good to you. They're no good to us. I mean, that's the start of the conversation between GMs. Right. Well, I will tell you this. Kirby Snead is in Oakland A. He's not a Toronto Blue Jay anymore. Like, it's not a coincidence he was in the trade. So he couldn't be a Toronto Blue Jay this year. He was one of the guys who did not come to Toronto in April because, um, because he's not vaccinated. But to me, even it's interesting from a Yankee Red Sox Rays point of view like what if the Red Sox are in Toronto for a playoff series in October what if the Rays are in Toronto for a playoff series in October because the wild card round now is a two out of three but all of the games are in the ballpark of the higher seed so for the Red Sox, for example, again, I don't want to make too big a deal out of it, but I'm just answering the questions you're, you're asking. No, but it is a big deal yeah. because the Red Sox, if I remember correctly, reading in the old notes, yeah. They had multiple relievers that couldn't come to the series. Tanner Houck was not there, and Jaron Duran, their center fielder, was not there. Cutter Crawford was not there, but I think he's on the IL. He's uh, he's come off the IL, and I believe it has been reported Chris Sale, who's not yet on the active roster yeah. but will be, that he's not vaccinated. Oh, so um, Seattle, Robbie Ray. I, I was on Twitter like three weeks before Seattle came to Toronto, and I saw Robbie Ray posing for a picture with the Cy Young Award, and I went, well, that's odd. Why wouldn't he get the Cy Young Award in Toronto? Because they're coming yeah. here when he won the Cy Young Award. And then I said, he ain't vaccinated, and he didn't come. Um, now, if you're a starting pitcher, you can manipulate it a little bit, move a guy around so he misses the series. But for a playoff series, obviously you can't do that. But, again, the Blue Jays, not that they're distancing themselves from it, but they're playing by the rules that are in place, just like they played by the rules that were in place the last two years when they had to play games in Dunedin and Buffalo. They were – there's no question they were at a competitive disadvantage the last two years. And, listen, obviously they're at a bit of an advantage this year if Tanner Houck and Jaron Duran and Chris Sale aren't coming to Toronto. But, uh, you know, again, that they're worrying about them, about their team, and just trying to play the best baseball they can play. So. You know, your voice is so iconic, and I know you downplay it, but, you know, for us people have been in sports talk for a long time. We've played your highlights for so long. <laughs> And, You're making me sound old here. And well, I've been, <laughs> I've been in the business a long time. I, I'm myself. oldish. I'm not quite old. So, but, but yeah. <laughs> but I think about it. You know, your time at ESPN. Not only your time with the Blue Jays, and I just think about like 
you know, there are nights when we get done. I mean, you guys are way done, and I'll get done, and I go in, and I have my studio at home, yeah. and, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm watching Quick Pitch, and and I'll be doing whatever, and boom, your voice comes up as yeah. they're doing the highlights. I mean, just what does that mean to you as all your work that you do have one of just your voice is so recognizable that our fans, even here on the West Coast, they know who you So, are. honestly, I never, ever, ever think about it. I, I just – this is what I do, and the fact – you know, I get that I've worked for ESPN, so whether you're in Oakland or Seattle or Miami or New York, you know, whether it's baseball or college basketball, like I've been out there. But I, I don't – it's it's just my – it's my job. It's what I do. I go and I call the game, and then wherever that goes after that um, is a different thing. But it, it's funny. Sometimes, you know, there are people in the U.S. who only know me for baseball. There are people in the U.S. who only know me for basketball, yeah. which to me is kind of funny. Um the, there are people in Toronto. So I started my career in Toronto. Then I went full-time to ESPN, and then I came back. I was gone, quote, gone, about 15 years. So a lot of people in Toronto have no idea. I come back, and it's like, who's this American guy coming to do Blue Jay games? <laughs> and I'm like, ask your dad. He'll tell you who I am. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but I, I don't get caught up in all that. You know, everybody everybody knows who they know. They follow who they follow. They watch what they watch. But um, I, I've been really, really lucky. Like, between baseball and college basketball, two sports I just love, you know, to have the experiences that I've had have been – it's it's really been a great ride. Because the reality is the college basketball crowd is far different from the baseball oh, crowd. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In different parts of the country. Like in Indiana, I'm a basketball guy. But yeah. – in I, I don't know, pick a city. Maybe for the for the uh, in St. Louis, right? Because I did back in those days in my ESPN days doing baseball for them. Did a zillion Cardinal games. I'd be a baseball guy. So, but uh, again, I I don't I got enough to worry about without focusing on how I'm viewed or who you know that kind of stuff. So I just uh, I I like going to the ballpark or going to the arena. Punch the clock, do the game, go home, lay low. Rinse, repeat. Just do it again. <laughs> the, the, the national holidays are big in yeah. our sport. And I was watching your guys' game against the Rays on Canada Day. You were on MLB Network. Uh, oh, really? They, they showed ours? I didn't even know that. They showed yeah, us on They MLB. showed – I watched two of getting ready for our game. Yeah. I'll sit there and watch MLB Network. You had you guys had first game of the doubleheader yeah. on Saturday, was it? Was it Saturday? Uh, well, Canada Day was Friday. Was Friday. That yes. game was on. Yeah. And I want to say the first game of your doubleheader well, was on. That's good because we, it, it seems to us whenever, not whenever, yeah, kind of whenever, our game is on MLB Network. It always seems like they use the other carrier, like there's some – don't use the Canadian show kind of thing. But uh, so I'm glad to hear we were well, on. That's how I, I didn't even know we were on. That's so. the only reason why I okay, knew that good. there was good, the good, good. Uh, the Guerrero bobblehead. It was the Vlad and Dad. Yeah, it, that's it right. Oh, so you broadcast. heard me promoting the hell out of that. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I was there. There were people. So that game Saturday, the first game started at noon Toronto time at 8 a.m. There were thousands of people lined up because they they were giving away 15,000 of those. But they were going to get a crowd of 40,000. So wow. that means 25,000 unhappy people. So uh, I got down there, noon game, I got down there, 8.30, 8.45. And, I mean, it was lined up around the ballpark. So, obviously, Vlad Jr. is a huge deal. Vlad Sr. played for Montreal. And that's that's a thing in Toronto. It's still Canada. They wear the same number. They have the same name. Sr. was in the ballpark. He threw out the first pitch. Jr. caught it. It was a good vibes day. It, you know, it was really, it was really fun. So, um, yeah, our fans love bobbleheads. And this, uh, the Vlad and Dad one, I think, is the most popular one we've ever had. So when you think of the holidays, Canada Day, now 4th of July, yep. baseball, 
just what does it mean as a broadcaster being on and knowing that these days mean so much to these countries? Right. So Canada Day is huge. The Blue Jays wear red. Everything in the ballpark is red. All the graphics and everything is red. I think the CN Tower is lit up red. And we really dig Canada Day there. Like, Canadians are not all that good at saying, hey, look at us. That's not kind of our style. But but Canada Day, we kind of let it go a little bit, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, listen, no country is perfect. But um, I think most Canadians love Canada, and, are, and, and, and I'm one of them and love being from Canada. And um, we kind of blow it out that day pretty good. And it, it, it was really fun. And, and on Canada Day, the day before, the giveaway was a red Springer Blue Jay jersey. So there were, everybody was wearing red in the ballpark. And then 4th of July, whether it's for the Blue Jays, but more for ESPN. I've done a million of 4th of July, 4th of July games. And, and it, it's great. You know, the whole sports, politics, nationalism thing is complicated sometimes. And honestly, on my way to the ballpark today, I'm just thinking about, oh, Alec Manoa's starting. The Blue Jays need a win. Boston beat Tampa Bay. I'm just thinking about that kind of stuff. But um, I'm hoping there's a good crowd tonight. I don't know what the crowd will be. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming there are fireworks after the game yes. tonight, so which is always great. So, yeah, it's always, you know, even whether it's Memorial Day in the U.S., Victoria Day in Canada, Labor Day in either country, all those, all those special days are fun to do games. Yeah, there's a good chance you're going to see Manoa tonight, and then you're going to see him at Dodger Stadium on oh, the yes. 19th. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, what a year he's yeah. having. Yeah. Uh, and I want to get to your young guys and they're not really young guys anymore, but how, how is it going with our guy, Matt Chapman? He's doing great. So, um, offensively, uh, I would say a little up and down, a little hot and cold. You know, he's not hitting for the average he would like to. He's hitting for power. He's been a tough luck guy. Uh, we always talk about it. It feels like he leads the majors in 380-foot outs this year. I mean, he's hitting a lot of balls to the track, to the wall that are getting caught. The defense has been everything you guys saw for five years. It's been great, absolutely great. So, he's fitting great in the clubhouse. He's become a leader in the clubhouse very quickly. Uh, everybody loves him in the clubhouse. Um, you know, I don't, I don't venture too far in, but it looks like he's in the cool group in the clubhouse. He's hanging, with, he's hanging with those guys. He, he's in charge of a lot of the music. I know that, whether it's on the plane or in the clubhouse. So, um, and I think he's been great for, you know, for a guy like Bo Bichette, for a guy like Santiago Espinal, Kevin Biggio, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I think Chapman's been great for them. I know Charlie Montoyo loves him. He goes out of his way to talk about him all the time. So, um, it's great. They needed a third baseman. They really, really needed a third baseman, and he's he's with them for this year and next year, and that's great. Okay, so I got it in the notes, and it's hard to believe. Now, you guys haven't faced a lot of left-handed pitchers. Right. And you've got a bazillion right-handed hitters. That's why we haven't faced a lot of left-handed pitchers. And you yeah. haven't done well against left-handed <laughs> no, pitchers. No, it, it's like it happens so infrequently. It's like they kind of have to reboot their hard drive in order to figure out how to hit a lefty. So Cole Irvin will be interesting because he dominated them in one start last year, and they crushed him in the other. So who knows what we'll get tonight. He's the kind of guy who can give them trouble. You know, fastball in, change up away. They can get a little anxious and roll over and hit a lot of ground balls to third and short. So we'll see what happens. But they're swinging the bats well. Uh, two months ago, the pitching was great and the offense was really struggling. Now the offense is great and the pitching has some cracks in the ice. So we'll see. But they're they're swinging the bats really well. And, um, I mean, he can shut them down. There's no question. But he'll have to be on his game to shut them down tonight. Two biggest comebacks, and we'll end on this. Two biggest comebacks in baseball history from July 4th on. 73 Mets were 11 and a half games back, and then our kind of famous 2012, we right. were 10 and a half games back and then reeled in the Rangers. Right. I just think about the Yankees. I think about the East. I think about the extra wild card. I mean, it's kind of like – 
If you're in the West or the Central right now, long way to go, you better win your division because yeah. everybody might be coming out of the East. It could be. Just what is it like and how do you see it going the rest of the way, kind of like the halfway point? So as our manager, Charlie Montoyo, says, it's like every divisional game is a playoff game, whether it's in April or October. You know, the Red Sox are good. The Rays are good. And the schedule is so imbalanced, too. Like, here's the funny thing. Baltimore is not bad. Baltimore is a 500 team outside good of the bullpen. American League East. Very good bullpen. So – I think everybody in the East is looking forward to next year when the schedule is a little bit more balanced. You play more interleague games and not as many interdivisional games. Um, the Blue Jays are assured of nothing right now because a Minnesota or a Cleveland, you know, two teams could sneak out of there or the White Sox could get hot, something like that. The West, it kind of feels like one team, but but we'll wait and see. But for the Blue Jays and the Red Sox and the Rays, you got to play well. It's... Um, there are no there are no really easy stretches of the season. You might have a week where you say, okay, we play them and them, but then boom, it's Yankees, Rays, Red Sox coming yeah. right after that. So the Jays have done okay within their own division, and I think they're good enough to be a playoff team, but they need some pitching help. They're, they're, they're going to make a couple of moves in the next few weeks. They have to. He's a legend, and it's always great to have him on. We appreciate the you time. You got it. Always have good a good to see broadcast. You. Thank you. And uh, we got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. Stephen Piscotti's with us here on A's Cast Live. Now, you've been on this program many a times, but this is the first time you're doing it. Now we're on video. We have video. Nice. They get to see Should you I get now. over here so you can see me? Yeah, we All get right. to see you now. How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, life is good. Great to have you back. Good to see you healthy. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. It's been, been a long road back, but. Great to be here. Like, just just tell people just how much rehab and being away from the team, just how much that just sucks as a player. Yeah, it definitely kind of will suck the energy out of you at times. Um, but uh, you just got to keep pushing through and, and put your work in. And, um, you know, they work us pretty hard. And you leave feeling each day um, that you got better. So um, you just try to chase that um, while, you're, while you're on the IL and then get ready to go. And how much do you also have to say, I want to be back so bad, but I got to listen to them because sometimes they got to save you from yourself. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's a bit of the um, bit of the battle sometimes the players and the training staff. Um, but it's all you know coming from a good place of wanting yeah. to get back out on the field and um, you know with the the calf this time around. Um, you know I tried pushing, pushing, and hit a day where it, it kind of flared up on me and had to. Realize that the calf is a tricky injury and that, um, you know, look at a lot of guys that have had major setbacks and didn't want to have that, uh, obviously, this year. So um, after that little flare-up, let it calm down and got back to it, and thankfully it's been good ever since. Yeah, people need to realize whether I've hurt my calf, and you start talking about the calf and the Achilles tendon, and there's like there it's 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 you got to have your rest and you got to let it get back or yeah. uh, things cannot be good. But I can tell you this, having you back – Middle of the order in my scorebook. I write Piscotti. I don't care if you're in right, you're DH. It makes me feel good because it's like you're bringing some lumber back to this offense that really needs it. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to do my part, and I think we're all trying to, you know, do our our part. And, um, you know, it's definitely been um, a bit of a, a tough go of late trying to get runs across. Um, you know, but everyone's everyone's battling and everyone's working. Um uh, there's a lot of fight in this team. We're, we're continuing to fight, and uh, we're, we're going to get better. <laughs> well, that, that's one thing I think for 
you know, the first year of Mark Kotze, and he said it to us down in Mesa, like, hey, no matter what the record is, no matter what happens, no matter who's here, this team is going to fight every game because, you know, there's certain teams, things start to go bad. Everybody, you know, the team splinters, as they say back in the day, they say 25 different cabs to the ballpark. <laughs> you have not seen that with this team. Just talk about how this team still fights hard every day before, after, during, the fight's still there. Yeah, there's an expectation of, of effort level for sure. And, um, you know, I think, you know, we're in these games. I don't, I don't feel like we're getting blown out um, by any means. I mean, we're many, remaining competitive. Um, we're kind of having to relearn how to win some games. You know, we're letting a, a few slip away. Um, but, again, we're, we're, we're just fighting. And um, this is kind of part of the, the, the state of this team right now. And, um, you know, you look at, Certain guys like Loriano, you know, in Cleveland, you know, getting getting the guys fired up and that yeah. sort of thing. There, there's a lot of determination. There's no one taking it easy right now. And you got a Blue Jay team coming to town. They got a lot of firepower. Fourth of July, you yeah. got fireworks yeah. tonight. Just for you guys, what what does playing on on Fourth of July mean to you? Oh, it means it means everything. Um, you know, a lot of the Memorial Days and, and July Fourth, and these are really um, awesome days to kind of you know show your appreciation to, you know, the country and, and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, there's always a lot of fans. You got the fireworks. You got the excitement. We got uh, Matt Chapman, uh, you know, on the opposing side. It should be a really fun um, atmosphere, and, you know, we love playing in that kind of environment. You know, you've, you've now played a while. You know, what's it like when you have a teammate, a guy that you went to battle with, you like a lot, and you've had to do this multiple times in your career. What's yeah. it like then playing against him? Um, you know, it is, it's a little weird the first couple innings. Um, just it doesn't look right seeing that, that former teammate in a different uniform. Um, but after, like you said, being through it a few times, you know, it's it's just business. It's it, business of baseball. It's uh, and there's another layer behind all the all the stuff that, you know, we're focused on. And um, it's just the way things are. And uh, it might not sit well, but that's just that's the way it is. You know, one of the great comebacks, Mar, uh, is your old roommate. He's making yeah, a comeback, yeah, and yeah. we talked about it, and he was on MLB Network, and your name got mentioned. I, I'm like, God, I knew that they were at Stanford the same time, but I didn't realize. You guys lived together. Yeah, we were roommates our, our uh, last two years. Um, yeah, we were very close. He uh, he grew up in, in Danville and went to Montevist, and I was at Amador, so we played against We always known each other um you know through travel ball and that sort of stuff and then yeah so it was a natural fit to be a roommate um at uh, at stanford and um man what a cool story just uh you know knowing him knowing the person he is how hard he's worked the the things he's gone through um man someone could make a movie about it it's crazy yeah it's got a little bit uh, um Doolittle in it. Doolittle was kind of a disney story mm -hmm. right he was supposed to be the a's first baseman injuries just took it from him. Next thing you know, Sean goes to the A's and says, hey, remember I pitched? Can I just try it? Yeah. And he went from just trying it to being here, pitching big games next thing you know it. in the yep. postseason. So uh, Mark Appel, what he has done coming out of Stanford is pretty and, – and, and I love the story listening to him. Like, he has surgery. He gets his body right. Doesn't tell the Phillies until he's ready to come back. So no one knew. Yeah. Right? No yeah. one knew what was going on, and the next thing you know, he calls him up, hey, what do you guys think, and they give him that shot. Right. When did you know he's really going to do this at his age? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember talking to him, honestly, multiple occasions. Um, you know, there, there was definitely the surgery, but there were some other points where nagging things and 
um, where it was like, are you going to go for it? Are you not? We, we, I didn't know um, until probably a month before he, he told the Phillies where he's like, my arm's feeling good. He got on a good workout uh, regimen. His, his, his health, health was there. The velo was there. Um, and I could tell he had – you know his heart in it i think early in some of the struggles it was more of uh trying to prove people wrong that he wasn't a bust and all these sorts of things and it, none of us have gone through that right so we don't we're not we can't judge on, on how that goes but it just felt like this time he was doing it for the right reasons he, he just wanted to play ball he wanted to be part of the guys um and he was having fun doing it so i think that was uh really i think what put him over the edge i think because he was just he just went out and dealt this year. I mean, he had a one in AAA, and he's had a couple scoreless innings in, in, in the big league. So um, it's just awesome. Yeah, what, what, and what you just said, it just hit me. You know, in other sports, you know, because I covered NFL, NBA, and everything, when you are the number one overall pick, you have these expectations everybody know. In baseball, you know, it's yeah. Baseball America, people. You're, you're not treated the same. So for him to feel that way truly as – the number one overall pick. I want to prove that I'm not a bust. Yeah, you would see that in the NFL and the NBA. You don't hear a lot about that in baseball. No, and and baseball's hard, right? Because you're not in you know, NFL, NBA. You're drafted first overall. You're going to be in the, the starting lineup for whatever pref, uh, the professional team you, you've been drafted by. And remember, it was a big day on TV when they drafted yeah, you, right? Yeah. It's a big production. Yeah, in baseball, you you can go one one, but you still got to earn it and, and go through the minor leagues and do everything. Um, and so you know that. Injuries are tough. You know, I, I can obviously stand here going through a few to, to tell you how, how difficult it is um, when you're not feeling like yourself to, to go out there. And um, I don't know the weight that he was, you know, feeling there, and I, I can't imagine. So um, for him to to get all that, you know, aside and to, to continue on and to make this comeback, it's, it's truly incredible. Let's end on this because, of course, recently you guys had your golf tournament and your father was either on with us or he was on television and he mentioned the number you guys have raised the amount of money yeah. and it was like wow yeah do you ever wow we've done a lot i mean you guys the the awareness obviously is huge yep. remembering your mother the amount of money you've helped raise to try and fight this yeah what does that mean to you it means a lot yeah we hit we hit the one million mark which was a, a huge um accomplishment for for our group that that's been working tirelessly on on all sorts of events and then um you know there's the fundraising awareness side and then there's also the research side which not a lot of people um get to see that my dad is working equally as hard at um and you know we've got this roadmap to a cure and we've funded a few of the, the little stops on that on that roadmap so um it's awesome to see progress you know there's a lot more to to go but uh we feel really proud of the the work we've done and, um, I know my mom is, is uh, proud of the work as well. Well, great stuff. Thank you for stopping by. I know you have a hitter's meeting, and uh, once oh, again, yeah. it's You're great. You're right. He it reminded me. Yeah. <laughs> it's great to write you in the lineup. It's great to have awesome. you back. Yep. Good being back. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. So you're going to have to find, if you're Arizona, Arizona State, uh, Oregon State, Washington State, Cal Stanford, you're going to have to find because you thought, well, maybe what if they bring in like San Diego State, and Boise State, and San Jose State. But, I mean, it started as the Pac-6, then went to the Pac-8, then the Pac-10, 
Now the Pac-12. Ken Korak, your entire life has been around this this Pac. I don't remember the Pac-6. I remember the Pac-8 when I was a kid. We used to go to games all the time when I was hanging out with my dad. We'd uh, football, basketball every weekend with the Pac-8 back then. It's in trouble. Before they added the Arizona schools, right? That's when they became the Pac-10. It's uh, it's on life support. Yes, it is. Yeah, this all hap- started happening 15, 20 years ago, too, with all the conference realignment now, and it's kind of out of control. thing that I know we, we're going to talk baseball. that We can talk anything that, we that, want. It concerns me about the Pac-12 in the distance. What about, like, swimming and volleyball and soccer softball and, and baseball yeah. and softball and all that? Because yeah. the travel wasn't bad in the Pac-12. So UCLA so, and USC – and then throw, okay, it's even. Because basically the Big Ten was set up to be a Midwest power, right? Which it always was. And then they started adding East schools, and they added Rutgers and Maryland and Penn State. And then next thing you know, here comes Nebraska. But you're now going to have division games where you have schools from L.A., USC and UCLA. They're going to have to travel, and vice versa. Gonna, Rutgers is in New Jersey, Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, well, so no. the closest school to those would be to UCLA and SC would be like Nebraska. Would be Nebraska, right? Yeah, yeah. We, Iowa. What's Colorado uh, and Utah going to do? Right, you know, Northwesterns and Chicago. Correct. Purdue. It's not easy yeah, to get to no. Michigan, Michigan State. No, it's not. Because you're not. I've done that. You're not going into Detroit. No, you got to yeah. go into Detroit and then do a puddle jumper. You, which we've done, yes, in yeah. the past. For so sure. it's well, and then I was Paul Feinbaum, who's forever worked for ESPN and does SEC stuff, who's like you know Mr. College Football, talked about you know he understands why USC did it, and USC has to bring UCLA along with them. Right. But it was about USC. But he's talking about once these new contracts kick in for for ESPN's contract with SEC. And this big, this big money by it. Fox is is Big Ten. Is each school's going to be getting like a hundred and twenty five million a amount. year? Uh, yeah, it's that's each what it's school. all about. That's what it's all about. Yeah, there's no doubt. That's so, uh, that's just not one school. That's each school in the conference just right. for footballs getting that. Yeah, and then the trickle down is that if you're the rest of the Pac-12, you're not going to come close to that, right? Correct. As they negotiate their next rights fee. So basically they're saying $125 million per school, softball, guess what? You're flying commercial to wherever you need right. to go. You know, the Pac-12 is not a bad league. It just doesn't have the marquee value of UCLA and SC, it's so the- it's going to be hard for them to negotiate the kind of contracts that you feel like you need to have to sustain a big-time program like football. It's the league of the Olympic sports. Yeah. I mean, you think the Sears Trophy all these years, Stanford has won the Sears Trophy as mm-hmm. the best athletic department. I mean, basically, the Pac-12 has been where all of our swimmers and gold medalists and silver medalists and all the different sports, the Pac-12 has been huge for our the United States Olympic team. You know what I liked when I was in the Big West at your alma mater doing their games? I played in the Big because West. Because you could drive to almost every game. That was fun. When I was doing football and basketball for the Spartans, you know, you'd jump down to UOP and Fresno State, and you know, the only you'd one, hit the LA schools and Long yeah. Beach and Fullerton and we Irvine. Would, and, we would bus yeah. to Fullerton, bus to uh, Long Beach. We'd bus to Santa Barbara, Irvine. Uh, Irvine wasn't in it at the time. You're uh, that old. Pacific. I'm. <laughs> um, the only one was Vegas, UNLV. 
was yeah. where we. So t- Vegas we, was in the league when you were. Yeah. There. So what we years were, were you at San Jose? Uh, ninety-one through ninety-five. Okay, that's when I was. I started at at Vegas in ninety-two. You were so. just your tenure was at the end of your football when I got there. Right, my last year doing football. You took all your bowl rings and yeah, left of us. Of which we got three yeah. while I was there. You took all your championships yeah. and you left us. Eighty-six, eighty-seven, and ninety for the Spartans in the California Bowl. Yet, see, all of you A's fans think of Ken Korak as yours. There's still some. People down in uh, Spartoonie land who view they're Ken, dwindling. <laughs> who, who, who still view Ken Korak as the voice of the San Jose State Spartans. It's, it's a dwindling group. Uh, we had Matt Chapman on. I don't know yeah. if you heard. Yeah, it's great. And, great to hear him. Uh, I allowed him, like I have with every former player. I'm not trying to be controversial, but you know me. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to give you the chalk. What was it like trying to find the other clubhouse? I would say. Was the contract offered? Did you turn it down? Mm-hmm. And I let him go, and right. he did it. And he was honest with you. He was honest. There was a contract. It wasn't. He claims it wasn't about the money. Being a Boris guy, I don't know if I completely buy that, but I do buy the the fact that he didn't want to be the only guy, knowing that the mm-hmm. commitment to everybody else that kind of makes sense. I, it's a business. It is. It's too bad, and it's why they need to increase their revenue. Let's face it, it's as simple as that, right, Chris? And that's what the whole stadium situation is about. So, and it's just tough. It's tough on the fan base to see great players leave. And, you know, you just don't want to, because the A's are a ways away from developing that next generation of great players. When that happens, have to hold on to them, Chris. Yeah, because, you know, we don't, we don't know and we don't know when the next ballpark is going to, you know, when this new, I should say, when this new ballpark mm-hmm. is going to happen. Uh, I just know this. The players that will be in their prime are guys that currently may be in high school or maybe even in college. Yeah, or maybe A ball and double A. I mean, you would hope maybe. that yeah, guys like, so I'm, I'm excited it's a long ways away, and prospects are prospects until they prove something. But Max Muncy's having a good year at, at uh, Stockton and A-Ball. Soderstrom's at Lansing. So you hope those guys are part of the foundation that the A's can grow with. But it's hard to project with players that are in the low minors. They, both guys were number one picks. All the pitchers the A's got in the deals during the spring, they got two number ones and a number two. They got the Blue Jays number one. Uh, in the Chapman deal, so you just hope that all that all that promise comes to fruition at some point. You're right. I'm worried about when the ballpark opens up. Right. Because we don't know, right? We're hoping 27, could be 28. Well, that's, yeah, I could, mean, that's could be five, 29, years, five years down the road, and so those guys are in A-ball and double-A if they do – if all this comes materializes, yeah. that those Best guys case could, scenario. Yeah, could provide yeah. the foundation. Yeah. We're, and that's what we're we're hanging our hats on. You know the thing about what we got here now, which should keep you interested, is what we saw last night, what we've seen with Frankie, what we've seen with Paul Blackburn. Those three, if you look at the numbers, you look at you you look at Cole Irvin's numbers at home at the Coliseum this year. It's a 1.49 ERA at home this year. Well, we're going to hear from Scott Emerson on the pregame show, the A's pitching coach, of course. And the A's were a team that 
with the one loss record struggling so badly, they have three of their starters in the top 18 in the American League in ERA in Blackburn and Montas and Irvin. Now Irvin's going to fall out tomorrow because he won't have enough innings, but he's qualified as of today. So they've done a good job. And, and uh, they're also going with a little more of a small. Now they've, they've, we're seeing what they can do when the ball leaves the ballpark. You know, they've struggled so badly to homer. But they had three home runs in the first game of the series against the Mariners on Thursday. Two long balls are big last night. They're still at the bottom in the league in home runs, but you have to develop power too, right, Chris? You can't win in this league unless you've got guys who can hit the ball out of the ballpark. And they have seven home runs in their last five games. So we'll see if they can sustain that. Yeah, have you seen uh, many teams win a lot of football games that don't score touchdowns? No, you, that's right. <laughs> and the great A's teams. We're going to field goal you to death. The great, Chris, the great A's teams were never high batting average teams. I know. They were know. high on base teams, but they were home run teams. They hit home runs. They hit over 200 home runs a year. All those great clubs did that or came close to it. So have to develop that right now in the system. And I, I think they've got some guys who are showing that kind of promise. I want your opinion on this because it's something that irked me, and I, I don't know whether you guys were even in town or not when it happened, but I, I, I like, got tired of this. Otani is just this – he's great, right? He's something we've never seen, and Trout's the uh, greatest player of all time. But then all of a sudden they lost those 14 games and Joe Madden got fired, and I was like, Otani shouldn't be MVP. Cause, and, and I went and did it myself. I went and did all the numbers, and during the 14-game streak, he stunk, pitching and hitting. Mm-hmm. And then today, Joel Sherman finally called out Brian Kinney on MLB Now. I don't know if you ever watched that show, but Joel Sherman just said, I don't want to hear about it anymore. He's one of your big-time guests on your show. I love him. Yeah, and, but yeah. Sherman was like, I'm so tired of hearing When the team needs – and I, I'm full of agreeance. I've been talking about this for weeks. When the team needs you most, you are nowhere to be found. And then now the team's out of it. Oh, two home runs here. Well, we had this discussion at lunch the other day in Seattle with Kipe and – and Dallas. Ooh, because Dallas is all in on Otani. Well, and Kipe's position is that if you voted for Otani for MVP last year and he's doing similar things, if not better, especially on the pitching side this year, why would you not vote for him this year? And I've always taken the stance, Chris, unless someone is just light years better, that I want to see what you do in September. I like to see your club in a pennant race and when the heat's on and how do you perform. So I've, I've always been biased toward a player on a team that's in contention and especially one that wins and gets to the postseason. Now, we don't have a vote, right? We never will. Yeah, why do you not but, have a vote? Well, I'm not, we're not members of the Baseball Writers Yeah, but the only reason why the writers have it. We don't vote it, for the Hall of Fame either. D- you know why? It's because when, d- when they start all this stuff, we didn't have television. Radio was right. primitive. Right. So the writers were king, but we've evolved as humans, and we've evolved as a media. We have. Yes, and the fact <laughs> that uh, writers are now on – you know what's funny about that? Writers are the ones on the way out. The other thing, the other thing I was told is that, like, in my case, because I work for the club, paycheck comes from the A's, that there's, they would say, well, there's an inherent bias, like with the Hall of Fame – You'd be more prone to vote for your guys, A's guys, so you, you would lose your objectivity. And my answer to that is we all have to reconcile our own credibility, first of all. And the other thing is that the line's really been blurred even for writers because they're writers that are getting paychecks from radio stations and maybe uh, pregame and postgame shows that are, that, with the team. That, are, that are owned by the ball yeah. clubs and stuff. So yeah. that, that whole thing has been 
it's been blurred for the last several years. So I'm not sure that that, that rationale holds yeah, too much water this, now. Let's throw this out there. I think of yourself. I think Vinny. I think Bill King. Uh, let's go over to Lon Simmons, Hank Greenwald, whoever you want to think over on the Giants side, John Miller. Mm-hmm. You don't think all of you guys, just just knowing and having dealt with all of you guys, that you would not say, I, I value this vote. I'm yeah, not going to be a I, honk. I think so. Yeah, I would. Vin Scully would not give you an, an honest yeah, and I think seriously? so. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But that's not going to happen. It's okay. It's not that big a deal. It may change. I mean, we're running out of writers. I mean, there's not the baseball writers that there used to be. And a lot of these guys, what we're finding out is still have votes, and they haven't covered the game in a long time. I miss that because when I started here, we had like five uh, papers covering the A's on a daily basis and traveling. Might have been a half a dozen. We have one. Yeah, right. And, and MLB, right? And, and Martin Gallegos is MLB.com. And it's MLB, not a paper. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. have one, we have one paper. We had CC Times, Oakland Tribune, yep. San Jose, Mercury News, Examiner, Chronicle, Press Democrat, and Sacramento Bee yeah. with us back then. You know, I enjoyed that. It was fun. Yeah, a lot has changed, but I'd like to see you guys actually have a vote. I think it would be. I think it helped the well, credibility. Well, thank you. You could carry the ball for us. I well, because because we have columnists in the Bay Area who still have a vote, and you'll never see them here. Right. So how can they really? They'll go over to Giant Games. They may, may not watch our games. But if you have to give a vote on an American League player on whether this guy should go into the Baseball Hall of Fame or not, and let's say, like, you know, for example, you know, Toronto comes one time a year. Could Vladimir Guerrero Jr. be a Hall of Famer someday? Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, could maybe Bo Bichette? Sure. If you don't come and watch these guys' careers yeah. and you're voting on their careers – that's the problem I have with these random columnists who have votes. And I felt that way a little bit in the days before interleague play that I didn't know the National League that well. I mean, when I was a kid, I went to Dodger Stadium all the time, and before that, the Coliseum in L.A. But now with interleague play, you're seeing the other league even, so you get a little better feel for some of the players on in the other league. Which, have you switched at all? Your thoughts on, because you're old school, American, national. It's so blurred now. And next year with the way the schedule works. Yeah, I want to see how it works out because I'm a little concerned about the schedule. Because when when interleague play, the advent of interleague play was in 97. And I'm not sure if it was the next year where there were a ton of two-game series. And the travel was awful. You'd go in someplace and play a night game, a day game, you were gone. Then another two-game series, and you had all these... It was just really rough as far as travel, crisscrossing the country trying to play these interleague games. And that's not good baseball, by the way. No, it's not. It's not. Um, You know, the reasons that I don't particularly care for it is that I like like playing games that impact your league. I like playing a game against a club where the standings come more into focus when you're playing that team. And so that doesn't happen – when you're, now, a win is a win, and it counts on your record, and some of the great A's clubs dominated the National League, and that was helpful. But And, you know, it's also just a just my own kind of personal perspective on it is that I like doing games against teams that I know, and I think it makes, it, makes, it for, it makes for a better broadcast for me uh, when you get to know these clubs. 
and now you don't see them that often. You prepare for a team, and you see them in two games. You don't see them for another three years, and to me, that's not a whole lot of fun. But the ship has sailed on that. I mean, interleague yeah. play is here. It's not going away. So I just hope that in terms of the, of the schedule, that they do it in a way that at least makes the travel smoother than it was back in the early days when we were stuck with all these two-game series. When we were talking about Matt Chapman being one of the greatest third basemen that we've ever seen, I mean, for me, he's the best defensive third baseman I've ever seen. And, you know, when you start looking at guys, and we're talking about Brooks Robinson, I'm too young. And then I said, he Mike Schmidt, because even though Mike Schmidt's a National League guy, I grew up in a National League town, but you never, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't have – we didn't have MLB Network. We didn't have Sports Center. We didn't. You didn't get to see every one mm-hmm. of his games, every at bats, all the different highlights. To where now we get to see more than ever before. I would just say what we're about to do is going to allow least young kids to see everybody. Yeah, now and I get the argument. Basis. I get yeah. the argument. So there's there are other things to me about the game that are more important from my point of view. If I were like Commissioner Korak. So, I mean, it's like I said, it's not going to, nothing's going to change where the interleague play is here to stay. And, I mean, I, I really love watching guys that you know are going to put people in the ballpark. And that's what the A's need to develop. Yes. You need, A's need a Julio Rodriguez. We talked about it over then. Julio was just named the American League Player of the Week for the week ending Sunday, that he's going to put people in the seats in Seattle. And those are the guys that you can build a franchise around and build your marketing and sales. Guys like that are really important in the game. And even with the All-Star game coming up, I hope that there's a way to showcase the young players beyond the Futures game. But a guy like Rodriguez should be in the All-Star game because you, you, you want the whole country to see someone who doesn't maybe get as much exposure as some of the other players because he's playing up in Seattle. How, how do you get a Julio Rodriguez, and how do we get him here tonight? Well, he's an international <laughs> signing. You know, he was an international sign by, by the Mariners. So. And that's why the Astros yeah. are the Astros right now. Their international signings have been fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they traded for Alvarez from the Dodgers, which uh, is pretty that was amazing. A, that was a steal. It was a steal, and he's – He's right there right now to me with, uh, aren't you with, curious with to Judge see, for MVP. I, aren't you curious to see what he looked like when they made that trade? Because now he's just so massive. He's such a big guy. He was a young kid at the time. Was he just a tall, lanky guy? Didn't have a lot of pop. Like, how, Who said, yep, give that guy up? Scott Emerson said that he is as good a hitter as he's ever seen. How do you give that guy up? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you're, there are times when you win, you try to win now. And so you're willing to trade a low minors guy, an obscure guy, which he was at the time, because you're trying to get a big league ball player. And that's the way a lot of these deals come down. So. Where are we? Ta- I've lost track. You're having we've, so we, much fun. I we, think we, we've we only got, did one commercial break the entire day. We, we got about like three minutes. I do want to give Ken a scouting, re- scouting report since it will be hit. I've been to the ballpark in Texas before every one of our broadcasters. You haven't been there yet? No, in fact, the A's are playing the Astros this weekend, which will mark two series at home against the Astros and two series at home against the Rangers before the A's even go to Texas for the first time this year. But, yeah, that's, that's wait, true. Wait, what Wait, what happened last year? 
the we didn't we're travel, in bro- travel. Broadcasters in travel. We didn't travel last year? We no. have not been on the road since 2019. Yeah. Where except, have I been? Except in, in, in 2020. Well, oh, that's where I've been in my garage. We did a series <laughs> in San Francisco last year. I've been in the home studio now. We didn't go to L.A. for the playoffs in, in 2020. That's correct. We did every right. game, but I thought, I thought last year we no. traveled. Yeah. So, so the, anyway, the commander has a scouting the, report. The ballpark's awesome. Uh, 104 degrees outside. You go inside. A cool 72 with the roof closed. Every day. Every day. They got they got amenities all around the ballpark. The broadcast booth and the press box still now, a little you high. You talk to me about things that matter to me, like the booth. Nothing else. I don't care about the amenities. The fans? For, for what the, do they for matter? For the commander. Come on. Uh, uh, he wants to know how's the food and how's his view. I think the broadcast yeah. booth is it's it's higher up there, but I wouldn't say it's like where you're going to be up there and you can't see any, any binoculars, see what's going on in the field, but it's uh, it's it's not low on a lower level. I would say it's it's probably higher than where the Bill King booth is. Yeah, yeah. everybody's is. Though. Yeah, that's, that's true. Standard. Yeah, but yeah, it's not low like the Giants have theirs. It's not like that. Houston is is low too. Houston's great view from there for a new ballpark. It's a little unusual, just to the right of home plate, down low. Uh, I was told it's not as high as. It's not like Pittsburgh. As, yeah, right. Because there was a lot of concern in our fraternity <laughs> about the new ballpark in Texas. But it's not I don't they they say it's not quite as bad as it was made out to be before it opened. So I mean I, but I yeah, I can I'm I'm digging the air conditioning. Yeah, that's so that was the best part. No wind and no papers flying all over the place and no Bill King slamming his briefcase in his <laughs> notebook because the wind drove him crazy and well, so. if you if if you think about the long term investment and all the different issues that the Rangers had from a standpoint of people deciding on whether to are we going to go to the game? I don't know. It could rain. It's not the humidity, lightning, all that kind of stuff. That's all thrown out, and now they can guarantee they have 81 games. It's like that roof will pay for itself. That was the only good thing about AstroTurf in the early days of AstroTurf. Because now they have this incredible drainage at all the natural turf ballparks where it can rain for two hours like crazy, and then you can play a game. But in the early days of AstroTurf, in places like Kansas City, Chris, yeah, where they really relied on people coming from far away, maybe spending a weekend. In, St. Louis in for St. years, Louis too, City. yeah. And that's why, you know, as, as, as awful as AstroTurf really was to play on, uh, there, those, that was the only benefit of it because you could have a – Big thunderstorm in the Midwest and then play a game on time at 7 o'clock. Do we got time for one buying or selling? Sure, why not? What, and Ken Korak can play buying or selling, the voice of your Oakland Athletics. Now you're going to make me find it all because I have like a 1,000 of them. There's so many on here that we haven't even used. From- Give us a good one. We have Ken Korak here, for God's sakes. Right, you don't me- get him here every day. <laughs> let me get let me, I'm looking. Hold on. I put a new one. Oh, I know what I can ask him. The, the Buster Posey question. Ooh. Hall of Fame? No, we'll get into that another time. We need more okay. time than this right now. Okay. So Ken Rosenthal put Will Smith and Buster Posey in the same sentence in his new piece, How Dare He, the future Hall of Famer versus some Dodgers catcher. But listen to their numbers for their first 284 games, according to Ken Rosenthal. Buster Posey, his slash line, 307, 374, uh, 489, that's in 41 career right, home runs. Will right. Smith, 261, 349. 870 OPS, and he had 60 home runs. Will Smith has a 943 career OPS with runners in scoring position. Posey, well lowered, 888 OPS runners in scoring position. Right. Buying or selling Will Smith is the next Buster Posey. I think he might be. I really like Will Smith. I think he's outstanding. Drafted the same year as I think Sean he's Murphy. A, yeah. The actor or the ball player? <laughs> I like Sean Murphy a lot, too. 
So I think Will Smith has a chance to be maybe not a perennial all-star, but to make several all-star teams in the National League. No, I really like him. I'll buy it, but he's got more He's got more pop. Yeah. The more pop will play longer for him, which I think will skew his numbers. But he's not – well, I don't know. He was part of the World Series team. Yeah, he's also – They yeah. can win another World Series or two. Now he's a part of a couple World he, Series he also, teams, more pop, and now you're eh. – He debuted also two years – Posey debuted at 22, Smith was 24. Because remember he was – well, they're both college guys, but Will Smith took a little longer. Him and Murphy are in the same class together. Buster Posey yeah. out of? Florida State. He's a seminal. Cal Raleigh of uh, Seattle. Mariners, Florida State guy, too. By the way, a little challenge for you tonight. If you can work in RE24, the metric. Which <laughs> is? That's a great question. I'm still trying to figure it okay. out myself. Larry Doby became the first American League uh, yeah. African-American on this day. You know how I feel about it. R- rubs me wrong. Yeah. It was three months after Jackie Robinson. People act like it was years. No, it was three, just three months later he and did the everything thing, the same. The other thing about, and they both were great, and they both dealt with so much racism yeah. and all the segregation, Chris. And they're both in the Hall of Fame, thank goodness. But Doby came straight from the Negro Leagues. There's a great story on MLB.com today by Anthony Castro-Vince about Doby and his life. And, yeah, he actually literally took the train from Newark to join the uh, the uh, then-Cleveland Indians in Chicago at the old Comiskey Park and overnight train to get there and signed a pinch hit on this date. He was uh, he the – Broke the color barrier in the American League. Second African-American to be a manager. Yeah. You're talking about a guy who was – I mean, led the American League in home runs. He led him in RBIs. He was an all-star. He was a great player. He was a World Series champion. He was, on he was the- an executive, too, after yeah. his playing days. He had a nice career after he was done playing. And so none of these guys know who he is. Number 14. That's the thing. It's like everybody knows who Jackie Robinson is, but Larry Doby did right. the exact same thing, and nobody knows who he is, and he was and a he great had a great player. career. So I'm glad he's getting recognized today on the anniversary. Is that <laughs> it for the show? That's it, yeah. What time is it? Uh, 5.20. It just went by six. so quick. You were having so much fun, Tony. Uh, I can't. Yeah. yeah, I may keep you longer for the postgame show tonight. Days <laughs> Clubhouse with Ken Coy. You know what? 833-625-2278. Ask Ken. We could have we'll a segment. We'll be calls. I love we it used all to night do, long. We used to do that in, during rain delays when I was working with Bill. You guys used to take, take calls? calls during the delays, and it was like the greatest talk radio in the world because everybody wanted to talk to Bill. How often did A's fans have a chance to, like, Not talk directly to Bill yeah. and ask him questions? Well, like Phone you, lines lit up, man. You could do Warriors. You could do Raiders. Yeah, you no, could do anything. I mean, it was really cool. Well, great stuff. Thank you for Thanks, stopping buddy. by. Ryan Stanek is going to join us coming up here. Uh, A's Houston Astros reliever. Last time we talked with him, he was a Tampa back in the day. What's up? And we'll have him on here. It's been a while. How are you? Good, man. How are you? Uh, doing well. The last time we uh, last time we had you here, you were a Tampa Bay Ray. Yeah, it's been a minute, huh? A lot has changed. How's <laughs> yeah. life? How's everything going? Life is good, man. Can't complain. Can't complain. Got a family now. Um, yeah, since we talked, married, had a kid. Yeah, yeah. congratulations. Big, big life things. It changes everything, oh, huh? It does. Yeah. I got to think as a player, though, what's it like? Does it change? Has it changed for you now that you're just not playing for yourself, now that you're really kind of you're playing for a whole new life now, you're playing for a family? What does that do for you? Honestly, I think it makes me take the game 
feel like it's going to sound bad, but it's not how I mean it. It's like it makes you take the game less seriously away from the field. Yeah. Like you focus on your family when you're away from the field instead of like bringing the game home with you. Like when you're at the field, you're focused, you're doing your thing, but like you have a good day, you have a bad day. You flush both super quickly when you get home and spend time with the family because you have to be intentional in, in spending time with them because obviously you're gone a lot. So anything good or bad that happens is gone as soon as you leave. So it, it, I feel like you, 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 you obsess over it less, which is, I think, a, like a healthy thing. Yeah, no doubt. Look at that. You're all grown up now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> How's playing for the Astros? You guys are having a hell of a year. Mm-hmm. We played well. We played we played uh, some good baseball lately. Um, it's been great, man. They they they're smart. They're smart. They're, they they handle their business really well. They're very professional. Very prepared. Um, obviously, a lot of talent. But that's I feel like that's that's pretty pretty obvious. And but like, it's a great group of guys. Like everybody's fun and likes to be around each other and have a good time and then like you can kind of see it when the game starts like everybody kind of like clicks into gear going all right it's game time like it's loose and light and fun and then as soon as the game turns like the game comes on or comes around everybody like locks it in and it's it's kind of a different atmosphere when the game's going on everybody's uh way more focused and locked into like the task at hand and then as soon as the game's over it's right back to like have yeah. a good time. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. You know, when, when I think about, like, your time with the Rays, everybody thought, well, the Rays are really smart and they're doing a lot of good things and that's why they win with what they have. And then now you're with the Astros and what's – everybody's always said, hey, the Astros can bring you in and make you a better player with whatever magic or pixie <laughs> dust that they have. Uh, what is the difference between the Rays and the Astros? I think there's way more similarities than there are differences, actually. Like, honestly, payroll's obviously kind of a, a, a thing, but, like, it's the way it's ran is very similar. Like, the way they identify players, the way they they look at the game, like, identifying people's strengths. They do, they do a lot of things that are very, very similar, which for me has been great because it's super comfortable. It's what I, what I was basically grew up in. So coming here, it actually it felt very, very normal for what I what I was used to so it was uh it just kind of felt like a natural fit from the start so when you came in with Houston did they say anything like hey we noticed this let's work on this because that will make you better because we know they've done that with other pitchers yeah yeah it was more it was more almost going back and like back to what I did well and I'd kind of gotten away from some things um after I'd gotten traded um and I just kind of went back to, to, like, what I had initially had some success doing and obviously refining things, like trying to improve my breaking ball, make that a better weapon. Like, that was, that was like, probably the biggest thing I've changed since I've been here is just, like, is trying to improve my, my slider a lot um, right off the bat. Like, for, in spring training last year, I think that was what I worked on most was kind of uh, improving that and making that uh, more of a weapon instead of just, like, a pitch that I had. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is, is just, I think they identify what you do well, like really well. And then they try to make you do that better. Like they, they try to find ways that you can, you can enhance the things you already do well, because I feel like more times than not, you're like, you'd rather go to something in a, in a pinch or whatever that, that you already do good. And if you do that better, 
results should be better, you would expect. Well, I know for you, one of the things that we always loved about you was you get out there and, man, it's the flow in here. You're a big <laughs> dude. Sometimes, you know, you can get away from who you are, but go out there and blow people away. That's what you do, <laughs> right? I mean, sometimes. Sometimes. It just depends. It depends on the situation. I mean, I feel like throwing hard just kind of gives you a little bit more leeway when you when you make mistakes. I think it's it just it's just like a just a slight benefit to – so, quality of life, I guess. <laughs> well, if you remember the last time, because it's been a while now because COVID and no one was traveling and everything, but the last time we had you here, we were talking about, hey, you're the opener. You're like the guinea pig of the guy who's going to have the most starts as a reliever. How's it going to work for you financially? You know, you go to arbitration. Is it going to help you? Is it going to hurt you? When you look back, did you like the role and financially, did it help or hurt? I liked the role. I thought it was fun. It was like, I mean, pitching is pitching. I feel like for me, like in the situation, it's like I kind of I pitch roughly the same amount of innings, the same amount of whatever pitches per game. Um, financially, I don't know. I don't know. I like I don't really know because I got non-tendered by Miami, so it kind of put me out of the the actual art process. So we never yeah. really got to like fight the case on if it was going to help or hurt or whatever so um i don't know if it helped or hurt at that point so i, I, I that's a that's a good question if we would have actually went to went to an arb hearing yeah we might have uh i guess been able to to attest to which yeah, way because we were wondering like what is what is the shelf life of this thing because at one point I mean, we got openers in the playoffs. I mean, you know, this is what's here to stay. And everybody's thinking, my God, we're going to need bigger pitching staffs. How, how's this going to work? And since then, it's kind of kind of fizzled out a little bit. What do you think the future is of the opener? Was it a fad, or do you think it'll be something that's really here to stay? Honestly, I don't know. Like, I think, I think a lot of it is based more on personnel that each team has and where they're at in, in most of the guys' careers as opposed to – anything else um i think in tampa like when we did it it was more based on we had young starters we had some younger relievers um it, it kind of helped some of the younger starters like maybe get used to the big leagues a little bit but it, when you have more veteran starters like it doesn't really it's not something that really gets talked about because those guys are established and used to starting big league games against everybody so i don't know i don't i don't want to call it a fad but i don't want to call it like something that's here to stay. I don't. I don't know. I think. I think it's still relatively too too new to to like really judge. Because I mean, you still see see it happen on occasion nowadays too. But just just not not as frequently because with Tampa, I think we did it like I don't know sixty five times or something like that in a year. Like that, you probably won't see it on that scale. I would guess, but you might. I don't know. I, I like it's. I'm not giving you great answers, but like, no, like there's so yeah. there's so much that like we really don't even know, and like and how teams are going to construct their pitching staffs, and especially with there being a limit on how many pitchers you can carry, it kind of kind of handcuffs you into doing certain things when you have roster restrictions. Well, we know this. Whenever we open up the dictionary and it says opener, your picture is going to be there. You'll always be our opener. Let's end on this. You guys just had a great trip through New York. 
And still all I hear is Yankees this, Yankees that, AL East, AL East. At what point, and you guys went through, you went through the Mets, you went through the Yankees. At what point do the, as you, the Astros, as one of the best teams in the game, just go, do you like kind of that? They don't pay enough attention to you. Does it fuel you, fuel you at all? Because I, I think it's ridiculous that they don't talk about you guys. It's all about, they've, they've basically crowned the Yankees already. Yeah, I don't think we care. It's, it's whatever. It's, the media can say anything they want. They're going to say whatever they want anyway. It doesn't really matter. Like, we, we're just going to go out there and, and play baseball. Like, that's all we can do. That's, what, that's, that's just our job. It's, we're going to go out there and, and pull for our boys and play for one another and play ball. That's it. Like, I don't think you can pay attention to anything else. It's, it's all just a distraction and kind of just white noise at that point. You just kind of, like, let it go and move on and play your game and, and let, the, let the cards fall where they may. Well, it's always awesome to have you on the program. We were joking with Steve Sparks, one of your broadcasters earlier. He's like, oh, yeah, he's got the flow going. <laughs> it's, it's like the 80s hair rock. It looks great. I'm like, oh, that's our that's the opener right there. That's our guy. So uh, it's it's been a long time. It's it great to have been. you back on the uh, – I appreciate you We call me. it the set here of A's Cast Live, and we're always going to be rooting for you. I appreciate it. doesn't it, even matter. Even if you're an Astro, we're going to root for you. <laughs> I appreciate that. We love it. we got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. I got out of the elevator today, and I saw the great Steve Sparks, and he said he was not coming on. I'm like, what, what do you mean you're not coming on? You don't pay me enough. Well, that uh, that's fact. Well, you, remember, you're back in Oakland. Uh, <laughs> but I was like, what do you mean you're not going to come on the program? Like, we got to have you on the program. I wanted to make sure. 2003 Oakland Athletic. Yeah, that, that was the year I was here uh, the last couple months of the season, and, of course, that playoff run against the Boston Red Sox in the ALDS. That was a lot of fun. Well, you've always said this is one of your favorite spots to come to. It is. You know, this is this is the most fun I ever had as a player. I played 19 years, 10 years in the minor leagues, nine years in the major leagues. And this little pocket uh, with playing with the Oakland A's uh, was the most fun I ever had. Just the playoff atmosphere. Uh, the teammates were great. Tejada, Zito, and all those guys. It was just a fantastic time to be here. I never thought I'd say this, but I'm so starting to thaw on the whole cheating scandal thing, and I hate the Yankees, and the fact that you guys go back there, do what you did, the Astros, and then against the Mets, and I'm still turning on MLB Network, and they act like the Yankees have already won the World Series. I'm like, Mm. this Astros team, it's no joke, can beat you in any way. They got everything. I mean, I just, I'm... I'm now, I hate to say it, it's almost like I'm rooting for you guys now. Well, you know what? There's a long way to go. Yeah. You know, you got to stay healthy. I think coming in toward the, the trade deadline, the one thing that I think the Astros have an advantage over a lot of teams, they don't need any pitching. You know, they might be able to uh, acquire an arm, but they're not desperate in the rotation at all. They feel good. And the other thing, I, I think just going the rest of this way, the way they played against the Yankees and the Mets, the way they went in there and, and basically not one batter came to the plate in those nine games against the New York teams when the Astros were behind. They That's got walk- amazing. They yeah. got walked off twice by Judge. But other than that, I'll say this after that, you can tell the Astros aren't afraid of them. And I would bet that, that some of the Yankee people in the front office, if they're being honest, they're a little afraid of what the Astros did when they came into town. Yeah, that third inning hit, which you've done an imitation of that third inning hit on the on the show for me before. 
If you remember the third that. inning hit? Yeah. What's this, by Kaiser Permanente? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had you guys, like, like, the last time the Astros had been down was, like, against the White Sox in, like, late May was the last time. I think it was June 18th, you know, if I'm not mistaken. I had that note uh, a couple of days ago. So they're playing good, yeah. you know, but but at the same time, there's a, there's a lot that can happen, you know. Verlander heads the list. I mean, he – is pitching like he did How's a few years possible? ago. We don't know how it's possible. We really don't. He's just 39 years old, continuing to throw that four-seam fastball, and fastball counts like nobody else does. And, and just he's John Wayne right now. He just goes out after guys and just said, try to hit it. Just try. And he'll get pop-ups and strikeouts all day long. So uh, it's remarkable in that respect. But it, I will say this. And I don't know if anybody's coming on your show to say this. The most indispensable player on this Astros roster right now is hitting a buck fifty, and that's Martin Maldonado. They can't afford to lose him. What he did the other day against the Angels, down the line, where he uh, was oh, it yeah. Walt? Was it Walsh on first? Who was on first? Where it wasn't paying attention. Boom, got him. Snuck behind him. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, that was that was tricky. But just what he's been able to do with. But this all the young rumors say staff. you guys are looking for a catcher. Well, that would be crazy. Who, who goes and gets a catcher in the middle of the season? Who, what contender does that? I, I just can't imagine them doing that. Now, if it's a backup catcher to Maldonado for insurance in case something happens to him, mm-hmm. I'm all for it. But nobody's replacing him right now. And you know who would back you up 100% is our, our great friend Ray Fossey. Ray Fossey would say all the time, hitting is just a bonus. I don't care what the catcher hits. And, of course, Ray caught – you know, one of the greatest staffs ever that won yep. all these World Series here in the 70s. Ray would say, I don't care what I hit. What's Cash? What's Catfish doing? Right. What's Raleigh doing? What's Vida doing? What's Ken Holtzman doing? Like, yeah. it was all about he didn't care what the average was, and I think he'd agree with you 100%. Here's what Dusty says about Maldonado. He says, what I love is that we have a game plan, and we'll go out there, we'll execute, we'll execute, but then Maldonado's got this other plan, and he's the great improviser. And when you need to go off script – Every once in a while in those big moments, and and good pitchers will tell you all the time that there's two or three big moments in a game where this means a lot. You know, Verlander always recognizes it, but Maldonado recognizes it for everybody else. And he gets them to believe and have conviction on a big pitch off script uh, in those improvisation moments uh, that the Astros need it most. Now for you as a knuckleballer, a good catcher would be basically what, a guy who could catch it? Yeah, just somebody you – know, Brad Osmus, who's here, I, yeah. just, I just had a conversation with him. He was probably the best I had. Really? Just because he was a, a great athlete. You know, he was one of those guys that would take ground balls at shortstop every day. He had the great feet. He's smaller and good hands. Uh, and he wouldn't reach for it. I think that's the main thing as a knuckleball catcher is not to reach for the ball because usually the good movement is really late. Did your guys have, like, the bigger glove yeah. and all that? Yeah, yeah so all the guys that, that – have them now there hasn't been a big leaguer throw the knuckleball for a little bit though they're all wearing this one model of glove and it's made by Rawlings and it's the Pro Sparks and I actually designed it really yeah so there's a couple of gloves that I had throughout the minor leagues and early on in the minor leagues and I made a couple of tweaks to it and I sent it to Rawlings they sent it back uh, told them a couple more things tweaked it out again and they stamped Pro Sparks on it and that's what everybody's been using since do you get any love out of not that? A, not a dime. Same thing. You know what? I, I, I get exactly the same that I get uh, for coming on A's cast. 
You know what, Cody? Can, can we Cody, get, can we get him a sign ball? Buy me. We give him like a Tony Kemp sign ball. You know we're gonna get you a buy sign me ball. a foam finger. That's all. I, <laughs> that's all I care. There's tea shakes outside. I'll get you one. Perfect. <laughs> we'll get you the uh, the trite and the ride the wave trite. <laughs> yeah, that's that, all I want. Problem is that wave crashed at 86 wins, but uh, <laughs> we'll still get you the trite. Uh, when you when you're looking at pitching. And you're looking at starting pitching. I know we've talked to you about this before. Want to follow up? Yeah. And I know Jeff Passon just did an article on it. We're not getting the innings. I, I don't know how it's going to work. Like, what are, what are teams? I mean, start. What do you? Mean? How do you value a, a starting pitcher now? You can't value them to the same degree you used to. I know price is going up anyway, but right now, if, if the average pitchers throwing just a barely over five innings, uh, then their value is much less. And, and maybe you put a little bit more premium on the guy that, that gets some holds. You know, there, there's two or three guys in the Astros bullpen uh, that are there's their tongues are hanging out right now because they've come in into so many games that they're, they've been on top, but the starter only goes six innings. they got to cover, cover nine outs somehow, and those guys mean more to teams. Well, Ryan Stanek was out here earlier, and he loved the hair comment, by the way. He, he did? He loved the hair rock. Yeah, yeah, I said 80s hair rock, Sparksy. Brought it up. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. How do, you, how do you keep a team thoroughly engaged, a good team through the whole season? I, I didn't really think about this because we're so far away from the playoffs, but making sure you have one or two seed and you have the bye. Now that we have a bye in our sport, that's a kind of a big deal. You don't want to be in the early round, so that could keep you right. going, keep you concentrating. Uh, I'll, say, I'll say this. The mental side uh, of the game, uh, you can almost throw that equation out with this team because they're really good at – treating every game the same, even when it's the postseason. Uh, they know how to prepare. Michael Brantley kind of has kind of set that tone for a while now. And they just look at him. Uh, what's Michael do, and how does he stay uh, on this routine? And I'm sure Kotze is doing the same with a lot of these guys, with Elvis Andrew and Tony Kemp and those guys, setting some sort of an, an example for these guys to learn how or what it takes to, to be on a, on a winning team and, and what you have to do to be mentally ready. But uh, mentally, when, when you talk about letdowns for the Astros, they've got plenty to play for, and they've got their their sights on, on, on the ring again. And uh, I think because of what transpired in 2017, they all want that ring, so nobody can really say you know anything about it being tainted, and, and they can feel good about it themselves uh, and, and proud of the jobs they've done. Well, and, and what it would mean to the organization, too, to kind of get away from, and we talked about it here on A's Cast Live, about the whole tank draft. Ah, just because they took it down to the studs. It's like, you look around, the majority of these guys are not from the tank draft. There's just a, you know, right. Altuve wasn't from a draft. He wasn't even drafted. I mean, you got Bregman. Good to see Mark Appel back in the big leagues. That's right. a great story. Yeah. But Jordan Alvarez wasn't from it. Tucker. Tucker. Verlander, you can't count him. I mean. Right. Pena. I mean, this is a team that's not built because the team went to the skids, and, and, and that's why. Because we're kind of dealing with that. People, are, people want to use the Astros as an example. I'm like, hey, the reason why the Astros keep winning every year is not because that tank draft. Right, and they've been disciplined. Think about, you know, there's so many fans clamoring uh, to re-sign Correa, and I'm not saying it, it didn't hurt, you know, that Correa is out, out of this organization, but uh, the discipline money said to let him go because. Now you're able to extend Jordan Alvarez for six at, at 115 million, and he's looking like he's one of the best players in the league. Uh, and there's there's these pitchers that are going to start making some money here pretty soon, and you're able to afford them without that big ticket uh, in the middle of the diamond. And so they've lost 
Springer. They've lost Correa. They've yeah. lost Garrett Cole. They've lost Charlie Morton. Grinky. You know, Grinky. We, we can go we can go on for it's a, a lot while, of guys. But you have to have good player development, and you have to have guys uh, being able to fit into the system. And every year right now, especially because the Astros draft so late and they had some draft picks taken away because of the cheating stuff, uh, they're still able to develop big leaguers. You know, and they're, they're ranked usually 28th to 30th as far as farm systems. But how do they keep? Running guys out out here in the big leagues. Who's doing these rankings? Yeah, who's doing these <laughs> rankings, number one. But, I mean, I, I tip my hat to the player development. I mean, yeah. they're getting guys ready uh, at the big league level more quickly. One quick – you got time for a quick yeah, story? Yeah, because I, I want to ask you about Alvarez because even though Commander Cody, my producer, is uh, – he was part of the Jordan Alvarez fan club a while ago. Yeah. But go ahead. I got a question for you about it. Okay, this is about the Oakland A's. I was playing in Sacramento in AAA with the A's when I was 40 years old. And one thing I noticed when we were charting pitches behind home plate, we weren't charting uh, for anything other than does this guy swing at strikes or does he swing at balls? And that's all we were charting back behind home plate. And that was different from anywhere I'd ever been. And when I was out of the game, I I wanted to get back into baseball, and I had a – uh, a meeting with the GM at the time with the Houston Astros. I said, hey, the A's are doing something pretty interesting right now. And when they have guys get to the big league level, like an Eric Chavez, say, they're ready to perform because they swing at strikes. You know, they, they get judged and they get rewarded on how well they control the strike zone. And I remember it falling on deaf ears. And I was a little frustrated, but, you know, what can you do? But I remember thinking that the A's 20 years ago were way ahead of the game in that regard because of that. And I see a lot of that with the Astros. When guys come into this lineup, I think they're teaching the Astros at some level, or these levels down in the minor leagues. And we see it with Jeremy Pena now. We see it with Kyle Tucker. Bregman was probably like this you know, already to begin with. But with even two strikes, they're taking so many close pitches, home and on the road, uh, just <laughs> off the plate. And Just to clarify. Yeah, but, but <laughs> you know, I, I say that because I used to think that in 2016, 2017, I said, how do they take these pitches? And when that cheating stuff went down, I thought, you know what, that's how they did it. But they still do it. They're just very disciplined at being able to control the strike zone. Great thing about you is it wouldn't have mattered. They knew it was coming anyway. Right, yeah, I, I tell them. Hey, yeah. here it is. I wanted them to swing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I used to do? This is a helpful hint in case – Somebody's throwing a knuckleball out there. Throw it a little bit slower. That way uh, you have time to back up. And, and when guys hit it back at you, you got room to react. That's That was my plan as a big leaguer. I got to tell you, they're just watching guys <laughs> struggle against. And if you make that thing hey, move, if it's, good, it's amazing. If it's good, it doesn't matter who it it's is. It's hard. I, I remember yeah. we, you know, playing in college at San Jose State, we had a guy that had a good knuckleball. And just playing catch with them, yeah. it was tough. It it's a lot it's easier horrible. to do it playing catch because the trick is to keep your palm behind the ball a long time. And when you're on flat ground, you can do it. But when you're on the slope and you're throwing downhill toward the catcher, then you get the rollover because your palm isn't behind the ball as long. So, so the you, trick the trick is to aim at the very top of the catcher's mask. So you're aiming a little higher so your palm stays behind it. That's how you take the spin off more consistently. Can you imagine if we brought you back? Yeah. And you went the day after Verlander. So you talk cuz the thing to, the thing for me what's amazing what's yeah, really the same tunnel. Is he 6'5"? Yeah, I think he's 6'5". And the fact that his ball doesn't go like this. His ball stays and yeah. it rides high, right? So yeah. to get on top of it 
I don't know how you do it. Obviously, no, no one's. Plus, he has that optical illusion because he has great spin. You know, so even though it's high, it's even higher uh, for a guy to try to get on top of it because it has less drop than most guys because it spins more. Uh, he's, he, he deviates from the standard as far as his spin rate, and that's where he gets so much deception. And then the next day, here you come. Yeah, there, here I come. That would be, as a hitter, you got Verlander throwing it down your throat, and the next day, yeah. I'm, Jesus, what am I? You know what, Bob Melvin, two or three years ago in Houston, tossed me a baseball in the in the A's dugout. He said, do you think you could throw a knuckleball with this? And it was as hard as this table. Cue ball. It was a cue ball, and I said, no, I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. I said, there's no way I could have thrown a knuckleball. But now, I, I've grabbed one of these balls now, and they're softer. I can make an indention with my fingernails into the ball now, into the hide, so... Yeah, I think there might be a knuckleballer come back. But two or three years ago, I don't think a guy could have thrown a knuckleball in the game. I want to ask you, so MLB Network today did the deal on AL MVPs. And, you know, you're going to have all the greatness that is Otani. Yeah. I'm down on, on Otani from the standpoint of in that 14-game losing streak, he was terrible. He didn't hit, hmm. pitch, both of them. I've gone through the numbers. Joe Madden gets fired. That was their season. They're done. But he'll have these incredible numbers again that we've never seen before. Obviously, Judge, what Judge is doing is MVP quality. Uh, if you had to make your case, could you make a case that Alvarez should be the American League MVP? Yeah, because he's not strictly a DH anymore. I think you can make the case. I think he's the best hitter in baseball. Can uh, we say that? That's big. Uh, he, he has the highest slugging percentage, the uh, weighted runs created plus. He's and he's not roof. bad defensively. He's good. He's not, he's not just average, he's good. And he's throwing at 93 miles per hour from the outfield, gunning guys out at home plate. He can run way better than you think, gets good jumps, takes, takes a little pride out there. Uh, he's a good outfielder. I, think, I don't even think he's average. So uh, I think you throw that into the equation too. Uh, and another guy that gets overshadowed, and he's not in the MVP conversation, but Kyle Tucker is yeah. a great baseball player. You know, you'll see it, you know, we play a lot of games against the A's here coming up, and you'll see it more and more. He's he's legit. He's He should be talked on like one of the top 15 hitters in the league, maybe as far as value to a team, too. I always love, first time I saw him, uh, George Brett, no batting gloves. That's old school. I he love, is old school. I love that. You know, he'll tell you something, too. He hits lefties real well, just like Jordan Alvarez, and he'll tell you it's because his brother, who used to play for the Astros, Preston Tucker, was left-handed. He said they play wiffle ball or games <laughs> in the backyard. Yeah. Preston's throwing stuff at his his right ear, you know, and he said he learned how to hang in there or else uh, his, his big brother was going to take advantage of him the whole time. But he credits uh, his his success against left-handed pitchers to those backyard games. That's all you saw. Yeah, that's all you saw. <laughs> Got these lefties from behind me. Long way to go, but if you had to vote for MVP, who would you vote? Hey, for me, it's it's a coin flip with Otani and Alvarez. You know, when you're saying most valuable player. Yeah, it's a, I think there's context to it. I, there's context. I, I don't like that because, to me, if we're just doing, all right, go to baseball reference and pick a guy, Otani's going to win every time. Right. But when you go wins above replacement and you start looking at what a guy does on, on both sides of the ball, it's it's almost unfair right now with what Otani – I don't know how, he's, how long he's going to be able to do this, what he's doing right now last year and this year. Maybe two or three more years. I can't imagine him doing that for eight or nine more years. Can you? You mean it's, like he's 39 years old like Verlander and he's still hitting and pitching? Or 35 even. How old is he, 28? 20, 28. 28 years old. I mean, I can't see him doing he's it more than five prime. more years. He's in his prime. Yeah. 
and this is beating him down. This is hard on your body. So to be able to do this five more years, I'm not sure. But in this little window right now, and I know, I know you can get sour on a 14-game stretch when it need you need it most, but it happens. Yeah. You know that stuff happens sometimes, and sometimes, you know, look at who you're facing, and and, and if you're not swinging the bat well right now, it, it gets exasperated, so it makes things tougher. But I like to look at the the full the full package. And right now, what we're seeing, I just can't believe anybody pitches to Alvarez as hot as he is right now. Last, I think it's last 35 games, he has 14 homers, 39 RBIs, and sl- I mean his OPS oh, is 1,200. Don't worry, this team will find a way. So we know these numbers. <laughs> we know these numbers, but to see what he's able to do from foul pole to foul pole. Uh, the way he sets up pitchers, like he's 30 years old. He's setting up pitchers. He's got nine homers on changeups. I guarantee eight of those nine, he sat on them. He sat on these changeups because somebody may have gotten him out his his A-B before. And he sets on it and takes them deep. And who does that? He's David Ortiz for me. He's David Ortiz in, in his prime. Yeah, whenever you see a big man control the strike zone like that, it's it's very impressive. Yeah. We at some point, I don't know how, but we got to get out and play golf. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure out a time. You know what? Um, you know, there'll be an off day at some point. And we'll get that. Out I there can make it happen here in the Bay Area. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. That'll be great. So uh, we don't get to we don't get to play very much anymore. But we're going at uh, Pelican Hill mm-hmm. when we go play uh, the Angels here in a couple of days. Looking forward to that. But. Haven't gotten to play a whole lot. Well, yeah, well, I'd love to hang with you guys on a that golf will course. Be, that will be, instead of me getting you the ride the wave trident or the Tony Kipp sign ball, yeah. I will set up a tee time the next time we can make that available. Yeah, we'll get Blummer, we'll get Cock, uh, Korak, we'll get uh, Catronio. We'll have a good time. We'll make that happen. Yeah, let's do it. Have a great broadcast. Hi, right, buddy. Appreciate Always appreciate it. it. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. And so we'll we'll get him, Matt Chapman, on as we speak. Long time no see. Well, how have you been? It's good Great. to see you. How are you, Chris? We're doing well. We've uh, we've upped our game. You're now on video. You now see oh, the show cool. on YouTube and Perfect. on Twitter. Very cool. Well, it's been a while. I know it has been a while. As we're getting Tony Kemp in here, also seeing your uh, old teammates. Yeah. Uh, what has that been like? Uh, it's been uh, interesting. You know. Uh, a lot of emotions yesterday, first day back. Um, you know, it was a lot of fun. Just brought back good memories. Uh, it was maybe a little harder to uh, focus than uh, I thought yeah. I thought it would be. You know, just a lot of, you know, good memories in this stadium, a lot of things. So it just kind of all happened real fast. But, um, you know, I think today I've been able to slow it down a little bit. Uh, excited. to. It's always good to see. You know, there's a lot of people I still care about here. And, you know, it's fun to play in the stadium where it all started. I think about the video tribute. I was watching you. You were down the right field line, and you were stretching, and you looked up, and I could tell uh, your reaction after you appreciated it. What was that like looking up and remembering those times, playoff games, all the guys that you went to war with here on this field, and seeing that tribute, what did that mean to you? It meant a lot. Um, You know, I mean, I I think it means that, uh, you know, I did a few things good. I think it means that – you know that we we had a good run here you know unfortunately all good things come to an end and a new chapter begins for you know a lot of the guys uh that have come through here so i I still keep up with my teammates here i keep up with Oli and all those guys so it's fun to see what they're on to but to see that video and uh look back and you know to be able to wave to the crowd and 
you know, tip my cap. Never had a moment like that before. So it's pretty cool. Uh, you know, I, I feel the love here from everybody still. So, you know, I have uh, obviously uh, enjoyed, you know, all my time as an Oakland A. So to, to be able to come back and be welcomed with open arms, sure, it won't be the last time I come back here. So no. um, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm you know, I'm at least coming back here next year. You're right? not retiring, are you? No. So uh, chances are, chances are I'm going to come back here. But the first time is always really special. And, um I think it'll get a little easier to play as I keep coming back here, but uh, you know, it was a lot of a uh, lot of memories all at once yesterday. All right, so you've always been real honest with us, so I got some questions, and I know yesterday around the media they're gonna they're gonna ask you the traditional, and you're gonna, well, I don't know how to get to the opposing clubhouse and all that kind right. of stuff, but let's be honest. This clubhouse was your clubhouse. Yeah. You were the leader here. For sure. Wasn't that long ago, I'd be looking over at you right over there, say hello to you. You're yelling up to them, turn up the music. This was your house. Absolutely. You were the leader of this franchise. When you rolled in here yesterday, just, I know it's getting a little deep, but just what did that mean to your core that this was Bob Melvin, you, the leaders, to not be that guy? That had to feel really strange. It did. Um... You know, I, 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 it did feel strange, you know, to be a little bit of a stranger in your own land. But I think, um, you know, I, I still came in through F-Lot. I went into the clubhouse through the A's way, said hi to everybody. So, um, you know, I wanted to make my rounds early so I could come into the clubhouse, obviously try and get ready to play. But, you know, it, it hurt. It hurts a little bit, you know. I think, uh, you know, I'm happy. I'm happy where I'm at. I'm excited to be a Blue Jay. This is uh, this isn't about them. You know, this is a. Uh, I'm, my goal is to win a World Series. Uh, you know, I love playing with these guys, a bunch of talented young players. So that's all great. But, you know, to answer your question, and truthfully, uh, you know, it stings a little bit, you know, knowing, uh, you know, going from, you know, having Bo Mel and being a leader and all those things and coming in here and kind of having, uh, you know, that ripped out from you. It, it just uh, happened fast, and it just kind of reminds you that it's a business, you know, and it's, um, it's the way it works sometimes. And, you know, I think it started with Marcus and Liam leaving, obviously. Uh, that one kind of pissed us off. And then, obviously, me and Oli and Bass and Amaniah and all next and Bowmel. So, kind of the writing was on the wall. But, you know, with every every chapter that closes, there's a new one. And I have new opportunity and uh, new goals and uh, new focus here in Toronto. And, obviously, uh, you know, there's still, like, I feel like I have a lot to prove, not only to myself, to my teammates, but the game. And, um, you know, I'm just excited to be able to still have that opportunity because, uh, you know, I'm still blessed to be able to play baseball every single day. Uh, I feel like I'm a leader in the clubhouse in Toronto. Uh, maybe, you know, I'm not coming in there and barking orders by any means, but I'm, I'm helping lead this team to go yeah. where they want to go because I want to go there, and so do they. And the East is incredible, no it doubt is. about it. I just I want to give you the same shot that I gave Jason Giambi years ago when we talked about it. was a lot about his contract, whether he was even offered the contract contract here he ends up signing with new york he ended up telling us i was never offered a contract from right. the a's there was nothing ever put in writing was there a contract offered to mm-hmm. you was it something he actually saw that you're able to turn down how did that yeah. all go i, I want to there be fair a, to you no there was a there was a and i know it's funny how that all comes out after right? the fact, right but that's uh that's how it is i know that you know they probably want to let people know that they they you know they didn't just let me walk right but there was a contract offer um you know it's obviously public now but that was a tough decision for me you know did I uh you know I was young in my career still I had just come off of two really great seasons um you know I wasn't afraid to bet on myself but it wasn't even as much of about the money as it was about um you know kind of knowing the trend of the A's right 
Um, so I said I said no to that deal not because I was I wanted more money or whatever it is. Obviously, money has to do with the contract, and you know I thought that I'm worth more money than that. But at the end of the day, if I knew that Bob Melvin, Matt Olson, Marcus Simeon, Bassett, Manaya, Montas, trying and everybody that I played with that made us win 97 games two years in a row and win the division in 2020, if I knew that we were going to get a new stadium, we were going to continued success, win World Series and run the same guys out there and continue to build that core, I would have committed. But I didn't know if that was what I was committing to. And it, there would have been a chance I signed that contract. Now Olsen's gone. Now Marcus is gone. All these guys are gone. And I'm here, you know, without the guys that I signed up to play with. So that's kind of what factored into my decision more than even the money. Obviously, it is a business. And, you know, you have to, you know, make that decision was a tough decision. It, it kind of... Uh, you know, it was a really hard decision to make, but, you know, I, I'm, I don't regret it. I look back and, you know, I really am a pr- proud of what I did in Oakland. I'm proud of the, you know, I left it all out there on the field every single time. You know, I played through injuries. I injured myself. I did whatever I, it took to show up and play for the team for, you know, the name on the front of the jersey. And, you know, I'd do it all over again if I could, but I, I don't regret it. I know that, you know, who knows what's going to happen, how much money I'm going to make if I live up to the contract, whatever it is. But I came to peace with that. You know, that's not what life's all about. You know, life's all about, uh, you know, a lot of things. But baseball-wise, you know, it's about being able to put yourself and bet on yourself and have an opportunity to, uh, you know, make a decision where you want to play and make a decision who you want to play with. And I wanted to play with those guys, and I didn't know if that was going to happen. Well, you know, you're always going to be loved here, and we're always going to miss Bob Melvin and you, the battle every day that you guys had. was Absolutely. it was They were epic battles. For sure. For sure they were. Um, so, yeah, that is, that is something that I'll always, uh, you know, look to and laugh. And it'll be fun one day when I get to see Bo Mel across the way. But, um, yeah, just a lot of a lot of good memories coming back here. It's, uh, it, was, it was a little different uh, looking down at myself on this field in blue. Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was a trip yesterday. It was uh, – Usually looking down and seeing my white cleats and uh, white green uniform, and I look out and I'm having to make the long run over there. So a lot of weird things your first time back, but uh, you know, there's I have no hard feelings with the A's. You know, I hope the A's fans have no hard feelings towards me about the whole contract thing. Um, but it is a business, and that's the way it goes. And you know, my decision wasn't based off of uh, you know strictly based off of money. Obviously, I thought uh, you know at that time I was you know right up there in the MVP voting. I was uh, playing really good baseball. I still think that I can play that kind of baseball. And it was mostly a decision made about, you know, what, what the future of this franchise looked like with, with my teammates. And that's who I cared about playing with the most. And I just obviously look at Marcus and Olsen now. They're signed long-term somewhere else. So, you know, that that's kind of what I, what I was afraid of. And I just didn't want to be, you know, without those guys. Well, we'll always appreciate your time. Yeah. You know, I said the same thing to Marcus when he came back. We'll always be rooting for you. Absolutely. Well, I'm always, uh, always piece of me will, be, you know, be remembered as an Oakland A, and I've uh, always uh, loved coming here. So it's fun to be back. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.